That's fair. All righty. Let's grab our Bibles this morning. First John. First John. Chapter one. Lesson number one was walk in the newness of life. Lesson number two was walk in love. Lesson number three last week was walk in wisdom. This week it is walk in light. And I want to clarify this morning that walking in light is not the same as walking in wisdom. Uh, we will kind of discuss that maybe a little bit as we go along, but let's read our text verse and we'll get started. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 7. The Bible says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. Lord, you are great. And Father, we ask you this morning for your blessing on this hour. Help us, we pray, to be able to teach what you've put in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that I wanted to start with this morning is the definition of light. If you use the Webster's 1828 dictionary, and as far as I'm concerned, it's the only one worth using. But that's a personal opinion. You know what they say about those. Uh, it lists 26 definitions for the word light. And in most cases, it revolves around something like this. And that is not what we're talking about this morning. It does pertain to that, but that is not the definition that I would give to it this morning. My definition for the day for the word light would be scripture or its revelation to us. When we read this verse, we see if we walk in the light, well, we walk in light, not the light, but in light all the time. We have about 10 or 12 hours a day, we go outside, we walk in light. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about how God has the ability to reveal to us what he wants us to do. This is not God's wisdom that's been given to us. This is God's revelation through Scripture. And so as we look at this this morning, we will start with, first of all, the supply of light. We read passages of Scripture that give us this idea that light is available to us. And as I did a study on this, I am very fond of word studies. I like to see how many times a particular word shows up in Scripture. The word light appears 272 times in 235 verses. Pretty important would be my statement on that. God wants to make sure that we know that light is available. And as we read through it, it was interesting to me to see what books of the Bible mention the word light the most. Isaiah mentions it 31 times, Job 31 times, the book of Psalms 25 times, and the Gospel of John 24. And it was interesting to me as I studied this and as I began to think about it in context of the idea of God's revelation to us. Now, I'm not talking about the book of Revelation. That's a, uh, a revealing of something that's to come yet. This is a revealing of something that we are, we are able to have right now and we can walk in it. And if we look at these, uh, the book of Isaiah is actually a revelation of the coming Messiah a revelation to the people of something that was to come. The book of Job was essentially a revelation of the interaction between man, the adversary, and God. If we look at the book of Psalms, it's a revelation of praise. It's a way to teach us how to praise God. And the Gospel of John is, of course, the revelation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And so when we see light, there's always some reason for light to be there. One of the issues we have is that we picture this world, rightly so, as a dark place. It is described in Scripture as a place of darkness. This world that we live in doesn't like light, and we'll cover that here in a few minutes. But as we go through this life, we often get this idea that the only light that's available is like the flashlight that's in my pocket that just shines a very limited cone of, of revelation, of things that it's going to reveal to us. And that's really not the case, because when we read passages like Isaiah 9, verse number 2, the Bible says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. We see this as a great light. We also see this quoted exactly in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 16. So it's not just a limited amount of light that's available to us. We can have as much light as we want to have. And you will see that as somewhat of a repetitive theme throughout the morning. We have as much as we want to have. There's a pastor that my wife and I had years ago, and he he had a favorite phrase, lost man's going to do what a lost man's going to do. Well, I've kind of adopted that and, and adapted that, to be honest, and kind of adapted it to people do what people want to do. And it doesn't seem to matter if they're lost or saved. We all do what we want to do. You find time to do what you want to find time to do. And if you don't want to, you make excuses like I normally do. So we, we do have the availability of light. As I thought about this, and I thought about a particular passage of Scripture in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, verse 29, the Bible says, Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas. Now we know this particular jailer, he literally called for light. But is that always necessary? In the first instance, we see that much light is available. In this one, I really formed it more of a question, is must light be called for? The answer to that is no, because God has this way of shining light. James chapter 5, we read last week as well, James chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. God does give when we ask, but that's not always the way that God provides the revelation to us that we need. Now in many of these examples, it is literally a physical light like the flashlight in my pocket, but the, the parallel is very similar, and we'll get to those here in a few minutes. In Acts chapter 22 and verse number 6, we read of the Apostle Paul's conversion, his salvation there on the road to Damascus. In, 22, in Acts 22 verse 6, the Bible says, And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. You see, it's not a matter of always having to ask for light. God does cascade, if you want to call it that, light down upon us. He reveals things to us whether we've asked for them or not. I have mentioned in one of the previous lessons, I don't remember which one it was, is that to whom much is given, much shall be required. That's a portion of a verse, and honestly, I don't remember the reference. I don't have it written down, but... We have this problem. We, we get told things. We get shown things. We come to church. We hear pastor preach a message. And God begins to reveal portions of Scripture to us. And as He does that, He then holds us accountable to those. And we didn't ask for that, but God revealed it anyway. 
He cascaded that light into our life. And God has a reason for doing that. Every time God reveals some portion of Scripture to us, we are now accountable for that. We, we now are required to fulfill that. Uh, you've heard a preacher even say that, you know, ignorance is not an excuse. We've been given a perfect book. We've got the revelation in front of us. We can read it. But the problem is many times we don't do that. We get lazy. We just skim over things and we miss great deals of things. And then so God uh, essentially takes over and says, you know something, this person needs this aspect in their Christian life. I'm going to reveal it to them without them asking for it. My wife and I were talking recently about a church that we attended in Florida and how much we really learned while we were there. It's the church that taught us about faith promise giving. It is the church that taught us about soul winning, individual soul winning. It is the church that taught us how to walk a good Christian life. Churches like that are needed in our lives. And that is why God makes us a part of a church so that he can reveal things to us. The messages that, that preachers bring, pastor or guest preachers, makes no difference. The messages that, that they bring to us are not accidental. They are on purpose. God had a plan. Many times the preacher, when he stands up, he has no idea why that message for that hour. If I had a dollar for every time that, that I've stood up to preach to somebody and had no idea why I was preaching that message... I could probably retire next week. But you know something, that's, that's just the way God works. There has never been a message preached in our presence that wasn't applicable to at least somebody in the room. We had an evangelist that we listened to. He, he told us that our job, he used a passage dealing with the feeding of the 5,000. And he walked around the whole evening. This was a tent service. He walked around the whole evening with a sand pail under his arm going, it's your job to figure out what part of this message goes in the bucket. And we were to take that with us. And that's the whole idea. You come in here, you're looking for something. You need something from God, and God is going to reveal something to you. So light doesn't have to be called for. But we are often called to light. We see this in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. The Bible says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, and there's a whole series of messages right there, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God calls us to walk in light. We read the text verse here, 1 John chapter 1 verse 7, and we are to walk in it. And so we're called by God to walk in light. This is something that God wants us to do. When we read the passage of Scripture that tells us that we're not what we used to be, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, that's, that's God telling us that something should have changed when we got saved. Our desires, our appetites, our, our, our want-tos, if you will. We had a preacher years ago that said his want-tos were saved better than he was. A pretty interesting way of putting it, you think about it, and we often do things we don't want to do, but there is that. But the problem is that in this world that we live in, there's a sinful condition. The sinful condition we read about in John chapter 3, verse number 19, the Bible says, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. There's, there's the revelation, the light has come, 
And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now, can I point out to you this morning that truthfully, most of the time when we read this, we apply this to the unsaved people. But unfortunately, it's just as applicable to us. We fight against our carnal nature, our old man. And as we fight against him, we fight against the darkness that's within us sometimes and wants to rise back up and take over. We cannot allow that to happen. We've got to have God's help to keep that from happening. Interestingly enough, again, as I was studying this, if light appears so many times in Scripture, how many times does darkness that's mentioned in this verse appear? Darkness is only mentioned 162 times in 142 verses only. That's still an awful lot. And here's the, here's the part that really caught my attention. I once again went looking, which books of the Bible mention darkness the most? Let's see if any of these sound familiar to you. The book of Job has 28 times, Psalms 17, Isaiah 18, and then we, we lose John, unfortunately, but we gain Matthew. Matthew has it seven times he talks about darkness. And why? Why this correlation between light and darkness? Because it's one or the other. You can't have both. You walk into a room, I, there is one thing that I absolutely despise in this world, and it's that half hour to an hour between dark and light. Uh, your headlights don't do any good. Yeah, I've run over deer like that. That's not, it's not good for you, you know. It's the worst time of day. Light doesn't do any good for you, and darkness is just enough to be annoying. Well, that's not possible in our life. We need one or the other. When we start to mix them, our life becomes a major problem. And the problem is that many Christians do try to walk that fine line between them. And that is not what God wants. And we read that clearly in our text this morning, that we are to walk in the light. Now, one of the issues is that we read here in John 3.19 that men love darkness because of their deeds are evil. The next point that I put on here, it may seem a little bit humorous, and there's no, no real verse that backs it up, but it's an interesting thought to me. What is the normal reaction to somebody suddenly turning the lights on? Uh, I call it squinting. Uh, I had a training class through work this week, and I made the mistake of walking in front of the projector. And obviously, it wasn't mounted quite that high. I walked in front of the projector, and I'm like, oh, man. You know, it's like... <laughs> It's not good, you know, you go blind instantly. That is man's natural reaction to light when it's suddenly revealed to us. We recoil from it. We squint at it, if you will. And we begin to have this issue. At first, we reject the light and we close our eyes and we say, I don't want any part of that. And when God begins to reveal things to us about our Christian life and about the way that we're walking it, many times that's our first reaction. That preacher just doesn't like me. Preacher hates me. A preacher's been following me around. You know, those are the common thoughts that you hear in a church. The problem is that's our natural reaction to it. We're going to squint at the revelation of light when it begins to show us things. But after a while, we do begin to adjust to it. John chapter 3, we read verse 19 a moment ago. Verses 20 and 21 go on to say this, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, 
that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. If we are truly desiring to walk in the light, there will come a point when we begin to adjust to the light. You know, you and I, right now, we're not fit for heaven. Now, this is just kind of a side note for you. We're not fit for heaven. We have to be made fit before we get there. If you and I were to walk into heaven right now, the overwhelming amount of light that is available in heaven, Jesus Christ is the light thereof. We see the effect of God's light when we look at the life of Moses. We see that it changed him so much that he literally glowed in the presence of the people that he was near. We couldn't handle heaven. We've got to be made ready for it. That's part of our Christian walk, I believe, is that God's getting us ready for heaven. I have heard the acronym for the word Bible, basic instruction before leaving earth. I'm sure many of you have heard the same thing. And it is to not literally make us ready for heaven, but it's to give us an idea of what heaven's going to be like. I, I don't know if we can ever in this life physically be ready. If we are to adjust to the light, if we are to find the light, where are we to find it? What are the sources of light that God has given to us? And as I studied through this, it was pretty amazing to me how many different sources of light there really are. We read back up in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 5. The Bible says, This then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We see the first source of light, and I haven't got it marked as God. I've got it, preacher, you're corrupting me, I'm telling you. I've got it marked as sire because all of them, all of the others started with S. I had to do something. I just couldn't leave it by itself, you know. He is our sire. He is our father. He is our heavenly father. He is the source of light. He is the source of all light. And each of the others are if you will, either equal to or slight reductions of. And much as we see the sun in the sky during the daytime and the night is a reflection of that. Some of these are reflections. Some of them, of course, are equal. But if God is light, then, of course, that leaves us in another place. Who else would be light? The Savior is light. In John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And verse number 4 says this, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. When Jesus came into this world, He became the ultimate revelation of God to man. He was, he was the revelation of light. He was the, the perfect example of everything that we're supposed to be. A man without sin? I don't know anybody that can honestly say that they even come close. He was the example of what it meant to be one with the Father. We don't have a hope of that in this mortal life. It's not going to happen. We're not going to be like him at all. But Jesus was. John chapter 8 and verse number 12, Jesus says this, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We see Jesus as a source of light in our life. But you know, you and I, we, we have a problem. We didn't walk in his day. We didn't live in his day. 
We didn't have the ability like the disciples to be able to sit down with him and share a meal with him. I have often wondered what it might, be, might have been like to be with Jesus, literally, physically, to walk with him through this world. But we don't have the ability to do that. So we, we can't have that the way that the disciples did. So what did God give us instead? He gave us scripture. He gave us the word of God. When we read the Bible, uh, there is a, a song that I have heard, and I, I can't for the life of me remember the name of it. Uh, it it's more of a, a spoken word more than sung, uh, and it's the appearance of Christ in each book of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And it's really amazing, because if you go back and you begin to look, he's there. Scripture reveals Christ to us. You and I, we are often encouraged by pastors and preachers to read our Bible. Read it on a daily basis because it is God's revelation of His will to us. It is His revelation of His Son to us. And without these, we, we, we are walking through this life blindly. It's not a mistake that we read Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is an amazing chapter in the book. It is set up in what I call octets, sections of eight verses, and each and every one of them have something to do with God's Word. And when we read Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why is it that God tells us that His Word, Scripture, is a lamp to our feet if it's not supposed to affect our walk? Think about that for a minute. Why did God not say that it, it was a light to our eyes? No, that's not what he said. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's designed to guide our walk. We as Christians many times, and I'm not saying all Christians are guilty of this, but we are all guilty of it at particular times of our life. We almost always have some point in our life where we walk less worthy of the vocation wherewith we've been called than we should. We are told in Scripture to walk worthy of the vocation, of our calling, if you will. And we often don't meet up to it, match up to it. But we should. We should at least strive to. And that's what these, this series of lessons has been about, is to, to at least make us consciously aware that our walk does make a difference. One of, one of you in the room this morning, you asked my wife to write down the little phrase that I've been giving each week. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. You can say anything you want to. I can tell you this morning that I'm the president of the United States. But you know something? There's proof that that's not the case. And it's the same when it comes to our Christian life. I can tell you I'm a great Christian, but my walk is going to reveal how true that is or not. Our walk is important. But you know, Scripture's not the last source of light in our life. There's one more. It is not a source of light by itself. It is merely the moon's reflection. We read in Scripture of Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 14, Ye are the light of the world. Saints, we are that final source of light in this world. We are a reflection of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're a reflection of what God wants to do in this world. We're often an imperfect reflection of it. You know, I remember as a boy, my 
grandparents still on occasion used an old kerosene lantern. Sometimes they used a gas lantern, but there was a, a commonality, particularly with the kerosene lanterns. They had a, a mirror that was kind of built into them or the reflecting globe that was on the outside. And one of the problems with those is the same problem that we have in our life, they get dirty. And if you didn't clean it on occasion, it eventually got to the point where it really wasn't producing the amount of light that it could or should. We must come to the place where we realize that we are, we are supposed to be an effective tool in the lives of unsaved people all around us. I love it when an unsaved person or a suspected unsaved person, uh, I say it that way because we have people that say they're Christians, but their walk doesn't quite line up, and you kind of wonder about them. I love it when they notice something about a child of God. They'll say something of that's the most honest person I know. They'll say that that person knows God and walks with God. You know, we have a, a great deal of, of liberty in our life to be able to choose what we put on our, on our headstone when we die. We can put anything there that we want to, but it's so much more effective when somebody else has said it about you. Yeah. We need to come to this point where we realize that we are a source of light. Now, as we did last week, I want us to take just a moment and go back and look at this passage of Scripture. Go back to 1 John and see what it says about walking in the light. We read 1 John 1, 5, and we will not reread that. We read our text, but I want to take a moment to look at our text. 1 John 1, verse 7. Notice it says, but if we walk in the light. Notice the if. Amazingly, God gives us the ability to choose, rightly or wrongly. And now that rightly or wrongly is not meaning that God made a mistake, but I sometimes wish he didn't give me an option. I, I wish, to be honest with you, that when I got saved, God made it impossible for me to disobey him. He hasn't done that. He says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have an example we don't have to go through this guessing. What does it mean to walk as a Christian? Look at the Gospels. Look at what Jesus did. We've, we've all heard the story. We've all seen the bracelets, WWJD. What would Jesus do? And it may be one of the most effective questions ever asked. What would Jesus do in a situation like this? I can promise you there is one answer to that. He would not do often what we do. And if we begin to line our lives up with his, then we make the right choices and we begin to walk in the light. Notice it says the light. It's a singular option. There are not multiples. We have fellowship one with another, it says. This is a reminder to us that there's no need to walk a lonely path. If we walk through this life as a child of God and we feel like we're alone, it's our choice to have done so. There are brothers and sisters in Christ in every church that have the same desire that we have. They may be as imperfect as we are, but they have the same desire. They want to walk for the Lord. They want to walk in the light. We are supposed to find them. I absolutely despise the idea of cliques. 
this, oh, it's my group of people and nobody else. But there's a, something to be said about a group of people that band together that say, all I want is God's will in my life. I want to walk in his fellowship, in his example, and joining together to accomplish God's will. That's amazing. And the ultimate benefit, I guess, would be when every member of the church comes together with the same desire. That's God's will. It's not God's will that just two or three of us desire to walk with God. God wants the entire congregation to be of one mind. We're supposed to be the same in that aspect. Now, thank God you're not me. You, you would be thanking God you're not me too. <laughs> it says, in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. Now, this is not an indicator of works-based salvation. This is a reminder to us of the assurance of our salvation. You see, when this mentions that and the blood of Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin, it's not telling us that if we walk right, then God's blood is doing something. That's not what this is saying. It's a reminder to us that the only reason that we have the ability to even walk in the light of God is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He's, he's done something in our life. The next passage is 1 John chapter 2. And all three of them follow each other, one verse right after the other. Verse number 8 says, again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Notice it says a new commandment. This is not a commandment spoken particularly by Christ, but from one that walked with him. He had gained some authority, if you will, because he had learned to walk as Christ walked. Maybe not in perfection, but he, as much as we see the example in our church of pastor, if pastor ever became unfit to lead us, he would no longer have the ability or the authority to tell us how to live our life. But because he sets a biblical example before us, he has the right to tell us what we should be doing. Just a thought for you there. Notice it says, which thing is true in him and in you. There is no double standard. We as parents, we often tell our children to do things and we don't want to do them ourselves. Go clean your room. <laughs> and a husband looks at his wife, go clean the room. <laughs> That's not a very good example for you, but you get the idea. It's a double standard. There is no double standard when it comes to walking in the light. Jesus set that perfect example for us, true in him and in you, because the darkness is past. We read in at least two passages of Scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, and Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, that we are to put off the old man. We have been told in Scripture that what was a part of our life in those dark days shouldn't be a part of our life now. It is to be put off. That is a choice that we make. When I get out of, the, out of the church service this morning, I often take off my outer jacket and I put it in the back seat of the car. That's the same concept when it's talking about putting off the works of darkness. You take it off like you would a garment and you lay it aside. Now in that context, you never go back to it. I can't afford to keep doing that with sport coats, but you get the idea. Notice it says also at the end of that verse, and the true light now shineth. We, we have, in times past, walk in a, walked in a light of our own invention. We said what was right and what was wrong, 
without any consideration of what Scripture said. But now you and I, we have a standard. We have, we have a perfect example of what light should be. And that is what we are supposed to walk in. 1 John 2, 9 says, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. We need to be very careful that our light is not displaced by an unbiblical walk. We can, we can dim the light that shines from us so easily. And if we're not real careful, the effect, the effect can never be overcome. We read this verse and we read that he that saith he, has, he is in the light and hateth his brother. I have members of my family that I'm not particularly fond of associating with. Mostly because they don't choose to walk in the light. But if I come right out and say that I hate them, they're going to they're gonna say something about that. And you call yourself a Christian. Guys, what we've done is we've ruined our testimony. We've ruined any opportunity that we might have to win them to Christ. We need to be careful how we walk. 1 John chapter 2, verse 10, the last verse we'll look at this morning, says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. There are two things I want you to notice in this verse. It says, abideth in the light. We have the ability to stay there. It's not an ability that we have because of our flesh. It's only because of the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our life. But we have the ability to choose to stay in the light. God doesn't like it when we wander back and forth. Oh, oh, it's Sunday. I'm going to walk in the light today. Oh, it's Monday. I can do what I want to do. No, that's not what it's supposed to be. But notice the last phrase, the last thing that he, in this verse and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. That doesn't mean that we're not going to stumble. Unfortunately, as much as I hate to say this, we all do stumble on occasion. I believe that this verse is talking about causing an occasion of stumbling in the life of someone else. We are warned in Scripture to not hinder children from coming to Christ. That is just an example of casting a stumbling block in front of somebody else to prevent them from being what God wants them to be. So many people in this world look at us. And one of the bad things is, is unsaved people will look at us as Christians and say, if they're going to make it, I'm going to make it. That is casting a stumbling block. We, we do not want to cause an occasion to stumble in the life of anybody. If, if by my example, let's, let's use this for an example this morning. If I am driving down the road and, and my car decides that it wants to have a flat tire and the only place that I have to pull over is a bar, I pull into that bar's parking lot. Now I know that I'm only there to change my tire. Brother Tim drives by and he sees me in that parking lot. I have now given an occasion of stumbling to Brother Tim. Because maybe, maybe, and Brother, I don't think this is the case. Please understand that. Maybe he's not as strong a Christian as I am. Maybe he might see me parked in that lot and not see me because I'm crouched down on the other side of the car and get the idea that I'm inside getting a drink. Guys, I have caused an occasion to stumbling to a brother. We're warned not to do that. 
If we are going to walk in the light, we need to be consistent about it. We need to make sure that we're setting the right example because people do watch us. Young Christians watch us. Children watch us. Unsaved people watch us. We are to walk in the light this morning. As we come to the end of our lesson this morning, I, I know there's been a lot. And light is strictly the revelation of God to us. Be in the Bible. Be in the Word of God. And let God teach you how to be the Christian you're supposed to be. Those of us that have been walking this path for a long time, we might be able to help you. Ask if you come into a, a situation where you're, you're struggling with something, go to your pastor. Go to one of the preachers in the room and ask them to pray for you. You don't have to tell us everything that's going on. Say, I'm struggling with something. Would you pray for me? Many times we've been in the same situation and maybe we can pray about it with you in a way that somebody else can't. Guys, this is, this is not a lonely journey to heaven. We need each other. If we're going to walk in the light, it's so much better to walk as a group. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's all stand with our heads bowed this morning. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for the word of God. And Lord, I ask you, Father, that you would help us to be, Lord, the example. Help me to be the example to these folks this morning. Lord, that you would have me to be. Help each of us in this room to be the example to the unsaved that are in our life. And Father, we ask you, God, to help us to walk in the light. And this morning, we ask you, God, that as we hand out church tracts, Lord, that our light would shine. Father, let thy will be done this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Pastor? As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the piano begins to play, maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe he's revealed something through the message. Maybe there has been a light that was shined, and maybe it seemed like even a spotlight to you. And... If you want to just take a moment and pray about that. Maybe you just want to thank the Lord for the light that he's given us. To be honest with you, just for a moment, think about how good truly your life is because of the light that God has given us. I don't know about you, but boy, I, I thank God for the light he has given us and allowed us to live a life it's free from so much hardship and problems because of the light of the word of God because of the light of the Savior because of the light of other believers that have led a way of example to us walking in the light